All right. Well, you know, uh, everybody, thank you for uh, tuning into a new episode of Bird Road. Great um, way to start an interview, by the way. Uh, every you know, just saying you know like that is very powerful, strong uh, cudgel to begin an interview. Please don't let me thank, interrupt. Thank Please thank don't you. let me interrupt. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So what I'm getting to here is that we just got our uh, our first really big guest, actually, and we're, we're super excited to have him. Uh, he is actually the current president of the Recording Academy. Um, his name is Neil Portnow, and you may have seen him just last week uh, during the Grammys when he got into a little bit of hot water. A kerfuffle, uh, so we thought we'd have him will, here. A kerfuffle. A little bit of kerfuffle, yeah. So you know, we thought we'd we'd have Neil on. Neil, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Jewish Dave. Uh, it's wonderful that you've uh, chosen to allow me to this to have access to this incredible platform of Bird Road, and I'm I'm very pleased to be spending my very valuable time on this podcast with you. Um, thank you. I cannot express. Well, th- thank you for being here. No, so- thank you. <laughs> you're you're very very welcome um so yeah you know i, I don't i don't want to uh you know, i'm sorry i have to interrupt for just one moment when it goes up to uh five green stars in connection quality and uh we begin to hear popping everywhere what does that mean what does it mean when the connection quality is a five out of five and well, i begin you are, to hear you popping are the president noises. of the recording academy so i just is this my is like, is this my purview? Should I be in charge of this? Is this within my authority in my position? I was not aware that streaming services uh, made for, you know, capturing audio across long distances fell underneath my uh, uh, my authority. <laughs> well, again, thank you for being here, Neil. Um, You're very not- welcome for <laughs> me to be here. You're very welcome. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it would be kind of silly of us to, to ignore everything that's been going on this past the week. The elephant in the room. Absolutely. The, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that elephant would be some comments you made about female musicians and their need to, uh, I think you said step up their well, game. Look, I'm, I'm very glad, very glad that you, you know, offered me the, the opportunity to come on your show and clear a few things up. Um, those comments, yes, they were regrettable, but there is a reason behind them. Uh, I've, I've I, During the course of my life, I don't know if you've ever seen any pictures of me or any interviews, but you'll see I'm a very meager man physically, and I've, I've, been, I've been... I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'm quite small. I have uh, bird bones. The bones of birds, most of them are, are hollow. I should be a 160, 170-pound man, according to my physician, uh, but... What's your physician's name? Uh, Dr. Stroll. Prebron. Prebron Stroll. Which is the first name? It's Prebron Stroll is the first name. Okay. Prebron, Dr. Prebron Stroll. And okay. he, uh, he has no last name. Um, so I weigh instead of what a normal 5'10". Man of an average build should weigh 170, 180 pounds. I weigh 83 pounds. Most people don't know that about me, and it provides it 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 makes huge trouble for me. And there isn't a single woman out there who could not overpower me if she wanted to. So it's it's yeah. I've had to deal with quite a bit, and in my position, I'm frequently 
dashing the hopes of w- very talented women against uh, you know the rocks of of criticism and 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 wait, uh, wait wait so what you're saying is you do this on purpose no it's not a choice i was for instance um in 1997 uh, gwen stefani need me in my groin when i snubbed her uh when the the grammys snubbed her uh and she she, she bashed me around my face and uh, thought that it was, you know, in good fun, a jest. She didn't realize how weak I am and that my bird bones would just shatter. Uh, she shoved a checkered Vans shoe up my ass, and it was horrible. It was one of the worst things that's, that's happened to me. Prior to that, many years ago, one of my first experiences in the business was Linda Ronstadt just beating the living daylights out of me in public. <laughs> So wait, wait, wait a minute. So, so is what you're telling me here is that you're you're trying to tell me that you are actually the victim here? That... Well, there was a, 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 yes, and another woman, another wispy blonde woman in 1998. Again, another snub, another person who uh, you know felt that they deserved something that they didn't beat just the living hell out of me on a sidewalk outside of an amphitheater. And I thought I thought it was a woman. I later found out it was Beck, who we had snubbed for his wonderful record, Odelay. Uh But again, very small, meager women uh, are, are capable of just ruining me physically in a fist fight. And that's why I felt I had to say that they have the power to step up because I know that they have the power to step up because these wonderful women have just... Spent an entire career assaulting me horribly. Look, look, look I, I find this every very... woman I've ever met can kick my ass. Do you know how it feels to know that every woman that you've ever met can beat the living shit out of you? I it, mean, it, it, must, it must be pretty terrible. It, it, I don't it, know. It, it, it fuels anger. That it fuels resentment. Uh, ultimately, um, my comments were born out of a um, a, a fearful respect. Huh. Well, I, it was under. It was. It, I my, won't allow anybody now. Today, I've wised up. I won't let any of my people leave me in a room alone with Beyonce because she just looks very aggressive. I don't. I she, don't blame you on that one. She looks like she could really lay down the final blow. I'm an older man now too. I'm not. A, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. It looks like a girl like Beyonce could rip me in half, and I'm afraid. Of what might happen if she and Adele were to get their hands on me. Well, you did actually uh, award Adele quite a few awards recently. Right. And uh, for that, I earned criticism to people saying that there's a race problem with the Grammys. There is no race problem with the Grammys. Uh, There's an an inherent racial disparity in the performance. We all know if we studied grade school biology that black people have an extra bone in their throat... It lets them sing better than their uh, Anglo counterparts. So a, a a woman like Adele is being is competing on a curve because she, she's it's an uphill battle for her to compete wow. against somebody like Beyonce. That's a, that's a really interesting take, Neil. Do you think it's an interesting take? Because most of the mainstream media did not f- agree. Well, one thing I've seen uh, uh, reported this week was that you were planning a task force uh, 
to help with these issues. Is that is that incorrect? No, that's correct. I do think that we must implement a task force of, of young sweeties as soon as possible. Young young sweeties. Young young sweet fresh faced young ladies who can just help get to the bottom of, of all this and help me understand exactly, you know, what is the appropriate amount of time to have my hand resting on their bottoms. And, you know, all right, let, let me let me stop. And look, there's a ta- if there's a task force, I demand to not only be a part of it, I demand to be a leader of it. I demand that there be no transparency nor accountability. I require, I require, just uh, <laughs> non-disclosure forms signed by everyone who enters the room and the, the building. I require it all be taped, and this is for your safety as much as mine. Uh, young sweeties, prospective members of my task force. Oh boy! Uh, don't well, I, we, I, I need to make it clear that my Beyonce guard will stay fully intact. I will not be letting my guard down. I will not be letting Beyonce anywhere near me. I know what she has planned for me. Not interested. Thank you. Well, Neil, how how would you describe the average Grammy nominee? Uh, the average Grammy nominee is just a, a beautiful porcelain doll. <laughs> Male, though, correct? I mean, that's my answer. My answer remains a beautiful, beautiful porcelain doll. I look at the gorgeous, you know, mocha tinted uh, talents like Bruno Mars out there. I think he's just great with that shucking and the jiving. And I just, I think back of the days of Jan when. Uh, you know, m- musicians, you know, the, the real talent like, like myself and my, my colleagues would play uh, wonderful high, uh, high tempo music and have a bunch of Bruno Mars types out in the front dancing and engaging with the crowd and letting them touch their hair. Oh, boy. What? What? You know, that actually you does bring up a good point. I, I, well, that does bring up a good point. I, I, was, I was curious, what kind of music do you listen to? Ah, I listen to I listen to the sound of children wailing um, in the night, recorded uh, in Inuit territory in Alaska. Um, I love uh, Mongolian throat humming. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the few remaining aficionados of, uh, of, of the soundtracks of scream porn. Uh, I, I, I will wait, download wait, what? I, I don't. <laughs> I'll send you some tracks offline. We can discuss it more later. I've already been in enough hot water. If you oh know what I'm saying, uh, I don't want to get into it. I will say that the the '70s, uh, you know, was a, was a wonderful time for scream porn, um, and a wonderful time for me, frankly. Uh, well, okay. So you know, speaking of the '70s, you know, it, the Grammys has had you know you know quite an evolution over the years. You know, and now with with the moment that we're having right now with Me Too and everything, where do you see the Grammys? Uh, what do you see the Grammys looking like in ten years? From now? Uh, ten years from now, the Grammys will be as culturally relevant and important as they are now. They will be the arbiters of taste for what is playing inside of lids hat retail stores. They will be the continue to be the arbiters of taste for what is playing in teenagers cars in movies that are produced by 70 year old men um it will continue to be 
uh, the arbiters of taste uh, in terms of music that, uh, that, that, that is put in time capsules um, by history teachers and planted in the fronts of elementary schools. Um, that is what we are. It is the kind of music for which uh, elevator art, elevator music artists exist. Everything that the Grammys recognizes and celebrates uh, is that kind of, uh, you know, bland, easily digested, uh, uh, mulch, uh, soylent product that, that can sustain you over a long lifetime and provide no controversy for your bowels. You know, I, I, you've got some really interesting points. I know. Uh, Neil, I mean, you know, thank you so much for being here. Do you have anything else you'd like to, no, uh, no, anytime, anytime. I'd love to come back whenever you guys would like to have me back. Um, uh, uh, I think it's great. We should be having these conversations. Um, I think that we should be having them face to face. I would love to have face-to-face -face conversations with all the, you know, fresh-faced, young, innocent ladies out there uh, that are Bird Road uh, fans. Um, all of them, these talented artists. Uh, I invite everybody to have a conversation with me one-on-one, -on -one, alone someplace, with my guard uh, surrounding it, uh, so that there's no, you know, there's no, no jeopardy to my body or my well-being. Um, you know, someplace quiet, with no cell phone reception. One, one last question, please. Uh, have you heard of the Polar Bear MCs? And if so, what is your favorite song of theirs? I can't, I can't answer any questions uh, legally about the Polar Bear MCs because of a conflict of interest and a, a, a very specific uh, clause in, in, in an existing contract with um, with with you. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> this is very stupid. With me, it was a very stupid decision I made in the late nineties. But you were very overweight at the time, and I felt bad for you. Wait, actually, I was at my lowest weight. <laughs> uh, you were still very overweight. <laughs> You're talking to an 83-pound man. That's true. That's true. around all the dumb shit. All the dumb I think shit. a lot of dumb shit. I think it was good. I think dumb it was answers. pretty good. I think it was pretty funny. You think people will laugh at that? I don't even know, but you listen to him, he doesn't even sound like that. It really just sounds like me doing a bad Bernie Sanders. Whereas my, my usual Bernie Sanders is just really fucking good and spot on. Oh, God. Let's do this fucking show. Let's get started on the show at midnight. Uh, everybody, I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. And this is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. So, um, welcome back, everybody. Episode number 19. We're not stopping, no matter what all of our family and friends tell us. Whatever. No matter what they say. Do you get a lot of pushback on this whole thing? All the time, dude. Yeah. All the time. No, I don't. My wife is like one of our only listeners. <laughs> we heard her at the beginning of the, the episode a few weeks ago, or last week. Yeah? Um, yeah, talking about my pizza. <laughs> well, how was that pizza? It was, fucking, it was really good. It was good pizza. Yeah. Um, so subscribe, 
why don't you why don't you tell people what to do dave you know why don't you hold why don't you pull your weight a little bit i mean really they just need to subscribe listen rate and review our show on itunes and wherever else podcasts are available you know if they could just do all of those things we would be incredibly happy yeah i know that there's i mean anywhere from like something tells me there's like about 120 of you but it, there could be like 2000 of you i don't know um i think it's probably it's pretty big range like, i think it's closer to like 100 people uh actually <laughs> listening to the show I would say there could be like a thousand people probably listening to it. Okay. Or like 20,000. I see here on our outline that you uh, sign up to get an email from birdroadpodcast.com. You can so do we that. Have, we have a mailing list now. Yeah, we can do it. You can do it. Just give me your emails wow. and I'll send you. Start I need to you. sign up for that. Wait, I am signed up for that, aren't I? I'll start sending you dick jokes. Oh, shit. Which is just a dick joke for me. It's just a JPEG of like a funny looking dick. <laughs> that's a big joke I that's had a pretty idea. good joke uh, you know I feel a little bit of a responsibility because this is bird road and when there's bird news we gotta talk about bird news if there's right, bird, like right. I mean we're kind of faking the funk if we don't you know mention it. there's been so much bird news in the last week <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm jealous of it a little bit. <laughs> what do you think about... Okay, so a peacock. United draws a line at this woman's emotional support animal, which is a fucking peacock. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to get my dog designated as an emotional support animal. So have I. Have you that ever would be tried to do that or like gone down that road? I looked it up online and it, everything I got to was basically like, this isn't a real thing, so just stop where you're at it's like every road i took it was like this you can't do it like and i was like you know really uh let down i, I don't know one one day i'm gonna have to have you look i bet you'd find it easier i don't know a dog is like a real animal like a real pet but if um if that happened to me and it was a peacock and it was a thought the difference between getting on a plane and not, I would probably just let the peacock go in the airport. <laughs> I would walk outside to the garage of the airport and just be like, you're free. <laughs> Have fun. Be <laughs> like, what am I going to do with you? I'm fucking buoyed in one space in geography forever because of you? Like, get out of here, you fuck. A peacock <laughs> is a bird, dude. And they're shit birds. They're garbage oh, yeah. birds. Yeah, um, they, have, they have a lot of, like, just mess that comes out of them. Ugh. Disgusting. I drive past a thousand peacocks on my way home every day. They're like, they're not cute or fucking novel in Miami. In parts of Little Havana, they're just like, they've taken over. And they like, we have a thing where we, you, for like a month out of the year, you can go out into the Everglades and just hunt boa constrictors because they're out of control. <laughs> like, you can just go <laughs> kill them. And they're, 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 they're garbage. They're shitty snakes. They can't really do anything. All they can do is like, strangle smaller animals so you can kill them in all types of different ways like you can bash their heads in and fucking <laughs> like to like chop their chop it's them a into violent people. episode of bird yeah. <laughs> and uh i want to do that but i would rather do it to peacocks because they're so stupid looking and they're just gross and they're enormous dave i don't know if you've ever seen a fucking peacock oh yeah they, they, they have them up at um 
what's that place called here in Vegas? Um, Tule Springs, is it? I don't know. It's, it's one of those uh, places that Gina goes to do foot, uh, photography. Um, and yeah, they've got them like all over the place, just running wild. And they're, they're insane. They jump up on the roofs of the buildings. I don't even know how they get up there. <clears throat> yeah, they're flightless. I mean, I think they're flightless. I don't know. But they I, know. Like I think they could just jump really high. They look like dinosaurs. Like if you yeah, see they are feet, dinosaurs. They're, I know. They like are descended from dinosaurs. They're Look, chubby dinosaurs. I don't want to go too far down this the stupidest story that I've outlined for us to talk about. This. <laughs> um, this is a fucking dumbass story. Also in bird news, Nigel, the world's loneliest bird, the gannet, uh, dies next to the concrete decoy he loved. This is a stupid. Another stupid story. Every story about birds is fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> birds are fucking stupid. Birds are fucking stupid. I've never liked birds. I've never. I. I. I don't like our, the name of our show. I don't like, I don't like this bit. <laughs> <laughs> if I die talking about this bit, I'm gonna fucking be so angry. This I'm is like all lightheaded right now and exhausted. This is gonna be the one that does it. This is the one that does it, dude. My heart is pal- like p- pounding for no reason. I'm just like angry and trying to get into it. Like uh, I'm like still in my head turning things over about like why would that codec not work on that fucking machine? And what's the? I, I don't know if you're dude? keeping any of the Browsers. stuff we recorded before, but it just, just so I'm people play all of it. Yeah, just so people know, if, if if you don't include it because of how horrible it sounded, we ruined. I, we, we had a lot of a lot of technical difficulty. To his credit, Neil was a trooper. He stuck with us. <laughs> yeah, Neil stuck around. Which <laughs> he, was great of him. He dealt with it like a real champ. But he is, you know, a pro. Again, that was our first he, big get. That we he's a problematic had. guest. Problematic he, guest. He, to he say was the a least. peach, though. Wildly racist, but <laughs> Nigel. World's, look, there's a reason that I put the Nigel in here. Nigel, the world's loneliest bird, wanted to fuck a concrete bird and like spent his whole life sitting next to the fucking concrete bird. It didn't give a shit about him and, you know, whatever. Okay, I saw what I thought was a hilarious take um, from Nicole Serator, Serratore or something, I don't know, at Mildly Bitter. She posted um, a tweet that said, this might be harsh. Since Nigel is now dead, but even concrete birds do not owe you affection, Nigel. Stop wooing a bird who's not interested. I thought that was fucking hilarious. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hold on. Rape, rape culture alive and well in the uh, Hold in on. animal kingdom. That's not a, that's not satire. That was a legitimate thing because she wrote a further... Like oh, a, 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 she wrote a, a Facebook <laughs> post. <laughs> she wrote a whole fucking Facebook post. Removing any doubt as to whether or not her tweet was was sarcastic or ironic says, I reacted to this not the way the author intended, but it actually really bothered me that they framed this around the tra- quote-unquote tragedy of Nigel's life and not the disturbing behavior of a male bird attempting to woo an absolutely disinterested concrete bird. <laughs> it's not going too far to actually use this as an example of rape culture. Uh, this concrete bird did not owe Nigel her or his affection. (laughs) And I really resent referring to the concrete bird as Nigel's quote-unquote partner, when clearly there was no consent to this quote-unquote relationship. (laughs) I'm troubled by the automatic empathy with Nigel here as the poor, scorned bird, and possibly emblematic of many scenarios uh, with humans, where man sympathizes with men, where men sympathize with men getting turned down, 
quote-unquote inexplicably by women or ignored by a woman with her headphones in, etc. That's a really specific thing she just brought up. I feel like that that's a, that's something. There's something going on. There are a lot of things going on here. There's a lot uh, of things going on. Maybe, hang on, but she, she saves the very best for the last. Maybe Nigel was ostracized from the other Gannets for reasons you don't know. Maybe he was the pedophile in the, la- in the last bird community he was in. On one level, this is a dumb article. <laughs> oh my on another Lord. level, it says a whole lot more about the humans writing it than it says about Gannet behavior, which I do not profess to be an expert in. <laughs> so, just coming out really, really strong with a whole lot of incredibly steaming hot takes was Nicole Serator, who's like a, a freelancer for the New York Times and a few other places. Um, well, just just remember that when people don't take uh, the, these very serious issues uh, you know, seriously, um, we've got takes like this to, to thank. <laughs> I, posted on, I posted on Twitter because there was like... You ever seen people snitching on Twitter, like where they're like trying to like the I, I, like I want to talk to your manager type shit. Like um, let me find who you work for and try to get you in trouble on Twitter. <laughs> no. Which I think would be really funny for you, <laughs> like if somebody if somebody like emailed directly to your dad and was like, "Have you seen what your son is posting on the internet?" <laughs> I can see someone doing it the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's half like of your that. job dealing with damage control. From your wildly inappropriate father and his rude interactions with people who are just begging to throw him money. Um, By the way, I, I <laughs> sorry, I just hit the mic by accident. Um, I, I hate to interrupt you here, but I, I just I'm looking at the uh, you know our our timeline here, our outline, and I just got the last bullet point. <laughs> Wait. I didn't get it at first. Let me see what last bullet point. Under bird news. What, we Eagles won the Super Bowl? Uh-huh. You didn't, like, get that Eagles are birds? No. <laughs> it just hit me right now. <laughs> Fucking moron. <laughs> You're such a simple son of a bitch. <laughs> Eagles won the Super Bowl. <laughs> the, I, there's this game I always play with people like... um I don't know, Nicole reminded me of it. I haven't done it with her uh, but uh, because she's just a freelancer. But, like, whenever there's some horrible, horrible, clueless take from, like, a New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Washington Post public editor or um, member of the editorial board or, like, a, you know, columnist or, or you know, just a, a writer, I'll, I'll just do, like, a Google and be like, is so-and-so's parents rich as shit and google's always like oh yeah they're rich they're super rich (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah of course it's never let me down and there's this uh there's this one i was talking about online snitching because i don't know i'm not gonna profess to know what the fuck was going on there was somebody who uh, new york times um columnist named barry weiss uh who's um a woman b-a-r-i weiss comes from like this incredibly rich uh, Pittsburgh family, Republican donors, like part of the political apparatus there and, you know, inside baseball, like trying to pretend that they're like salt of the earth type people, but they, you know, they have like 
I don't know, they, they have like servants and shit like that. So, uh, you know, like that like faux real America, but not really real America people. Anyway, she's um, a, a sort of a neoconservative type person and whatever it was that was going on, she disagreed with the with the with the writer's opinions on Twitter, right? And tried to alert, I think it was like Newsweek or something, or I don't remember what the outlet was, by tagging Newsweek and its editors in. Like, do you just let your writers do this? And I was like, man, what a little punk bitch you are, like doing something like that. That's such a such a bitch ass move snitching on Twitter to somebody's to some fucking person's who whose dad presumably is not like a multimillionaire Republican donor. Uh, you know, trying to like fuck up their livelihood or jam them up at work. It's like the shittiest thing, dude. It's, it's this so... seems like something that everybody would do though. I, <laughs> it's shitty as hell, <laughs> but it's like that, that's, that's people. I mean, come uh, on. It's so yeah, I, mean, I would never do that. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't either, but, <laughs> but don't put most people beneath that. I mean, you know. And then our last little bit of bird news is that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so congratulations yeah. to them. Um, like, I think we should make our whole A block about um, the Super Bowl, everything that had to do with it. I'd love to hear your opinions on this shit. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna save. Uh, we're gonna save. <laughs> we're gonna save the conversation about this terrible Netflix Cloverfield movie for uh, for 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 you and um, and Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. our first returning guest ever and uh, you guys have a, have a little interview that we're going to hear after after the A block I thought that it was an innovative way to roll out a movie um, you know we'll talk more about Cloverfield but I will just say like maybe this is like a test case and the next thing can be like the big thing like then I don't know right like what, I what, I what did this, you think well I think this kind of was the big thing and I, I think the way that it's getting trashed into the reviews, which is completely deserving, I, I think is really going to hurt this whole new idea um, because they unfortunately took such a bad movie and used it to do this with. Um, and it was the perfect movie to do it with because the Cloverfield series has always been all about, you know, secrets and surprise releases and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I was very split on it because it's also hurting, you know, the the traditional idea of movies getting released at the movie theater first, which of course I love being a movie guy. See, like for me, it's funny guy. because I it, I think it kind of lays bare this this um, uh, construct that hasn't been so obvious, but is becomes obvious now, and it becomes obvious to me at least that similar to the way that concerts are marketing. Mm-hmm. They're not really events. They're marketing. They're marketing a product. It, it, I feel like the the run that a movie has in a movie theater is actually just marketing. It's not the actual product. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like the real the real thing it's selling is like I mean, especially when you're talking about these serials, right? It's setting up the next thing. It's setting up you know the the franchise or whatever because nothing can just be a one off you know, piece of our piece of artistic expression anymore. Everything right, has to be right. some large business plan that, you know, involves that dovetails with like billions of dollars of, you know, spending and, um, and, and billions of dollars of revenue. So for Cloverfield Lane, they're just, I, what I, what we were texting about last night was I thought it was interesting that they're 
effectively sort of circumventing the marketing system. Like the whole exactly because the thing that everybody always says is like you hear these 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 entertainment to, or uh, what do you call it Hollywood Reporter and you know. AV club type people talk about like, oh, well, you know, this was the budget for the movie and you double that with the marketing, right? Right. That sure does seem like an area that's ripe for disruption and that's something that could just get like removed because the dirty secret about advertising and marketing and, and, and public relations is that like mostly doesn't matter it, <laughs> relative to how much attention it gets and how much, um, you know, money it, it it gets shoveled at it it mostly doesn't matter it, it it really is more about the product and the reputation that the product earns over time it, you know it's it, it's a rorschach test of mm-hmm. of business like it is you look at it and you see what you want to see you see something that is incredibly you know irreplaceable and 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 um and necessary to the health of your product or you see something that's a budget item that you could probably cut down by a whole lot and yeah well the the unfortunate thing about this movie ending up so bad and you know i i think it's gonna hurt in the long run is um you know when we first all heard about this was gonna happen i think most of us thought you know, oh, wow, that's like, you know, an insane new strategy. I mean, like, like you're talking about the marketing and all that and like how they're they're uh, getting to skip that stage and all the money that goes into it. I mean, they probably spent a million dollars on a Super Bowl ad and that's it rather than 20 million or however much on marketing. Um, and like, wow, that's like revolutionary. But then once you see how bad the movie is, the the like the story gets turned around to wait a minute. Did they just dump this? Yeah. Is is that what the plan was? Was it not about starting a whole new distribution model where they get to save all this money on marketing and everything? Was it just simply that they saw the writing on the wall that this was going to be a shit movie and it was going to flop at the box office and they saved their asses by selling it to Netflix? Is is that what happened? So, what did you, you see? Did you see the um, <clears throat> the rioting after the game? Yeah. <laughs> the people like eating shit on the floor. That was awesome. I, I actually I posted on Facebook that it looked like uh, the first Cloverfield movie. <laughs> it reminded me of um, I wrote down on the timeline on on our outline. I had written written down uh, the drill tweet. I don't. Do you follow Drill on Twitter or no? Mm-mm. He's great. He's like the original weird Twitter guy, and he has this old this old tweet that he like his shit is just obscure and weird and random. And um, he had this old t- this old tweet that was like, "Another day volunteering at the Betsy Ross Museum. Everyone keeps asking me if they can fuck the flag, buddy. They won't even let me fuck it." <laughs> 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 Which just reminded me of these people losing their fucking minds last night. <laughs> just for some reason, I was like, "Yo, the Betsy Ross flag or the Liberty Bell is gonna get a dick put on it at some point. Somebody's gonna draw dicks all over those things." It's not going to end well for the Liberty Bell. No, no, no. <laughs> but then again, it never was. Going no, to. That's true. Um, so last night, I know we're supposed to talk about like commercials and stuff, dude. But uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't actually watch any of them except the movie ones. I I, I slacked on my pop culture so knowledge bad. this year. Wait, hang on. When did we all agree that Jim from The Office is a fucking action hero? 
That guy looks like a fucking uh, look. That guy looks like a character from Super Troopers. He looks yeah, like a dipshit. And that we're like, I don't know what to make of that. We all movie. just agreed that no, not just that. He's in a Hulu series coming up. He plays. He plays the fucking. Oh yeah, that's right. The main, Jake, Jake Ryan is it? Or yeah, Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan yeah. The the Tom Clancy guy. He plays, which yeah. is basically supposed to be like a like an American James Bond type character. Yeah, like you know a literary. Except literary, as opposed to no. You're it. absolutely right on that one. That that is really weird that we just just overnight and it's not like he had like a uh, you know any kind of transition into that. Just no, just, just one day sudden, he was boom. in the the Secret Soldiers movie or the Benghazi movie or whatever the fuck yeah. that was. Didn't fit That's into that weird. either. Fucking weird. And now it's just like oh, this guy did a bunch of push-ups and like Jim from the Office <laughs> did a bunch of push-ups and now he's <laughs> a, an action hero. And well, what the is fuck tall. is up? I would. Oh, by the way, I'm 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 all over the map on these movies because they all look so bad. Um, every movie that was trans that was that was promoted last night looked terrible. I'm going to disagree unless, with you there. Unless the Rock movie turns out that he lost his leg from diabetes. If that <laughs> if he lost his leg through diabetes and then I don't know, like he got in shape after he lost his leg, that's a cool story. That I, movie could be a great, like, over-the-top ridiculous movie. If it is, I, I then it could be great. Otherwise, yeah, it could, could be pretty bad. The, the Mission Impossible, I thought, looked fucking fantastic. I, I'm going so argue with dude. you on that, that one. That guy's face is... Tom Cruise's face is getting weird. It's it's unsettling to look at now. <laughs> it's getting too wide. It's like the surg- all the surgeries are, are revolting. And fighting back against. Did you see those? Gravity. Did you see those memes where they put a line directly down the center of his face, and it, it goes through a tooth? Is it... <laughs> what is oh. Yeah, there's like six different pictures where where it works perfectly. It goes through a tooth, so he clearly has like a center tooth in, in the front of his face. <laughs> or Tom Cruise. What's the time? I feel oh. I feel mean even just saying that. He has a center tooth. <laughs> Oh my god! That like a like a like a Allosaurus. <laughs> um, transition to the Jurassic World trailer, no, which uh, my, no way. You know, I'm I'm always gonna give movies with giant dinosaurs a chance. So you know, I don't I am not gonna say whether it looked good or not, but you know, I don't. What really is care. the what is the premise? Does it happen after the one with um with uh, that 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 just came out two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think they bring them. You know to the city or something i don't know exactly but same cast it, it looks like it looks like it's got a lot of dinosaurs in it so that's good they're not like uh <laughs> hiding them or anything they're not chintzing on the dinosaurs <laughs> yeah no dinosaur chintzing um the I think that was all of them oh the solo movie han solo i didn't see the preview for that yeah i don't know it looks all right it's another star wars movie six months after the last one they're going exactly to take this beloved franchise and like <laughs> what George Lucas couldn't do with those three prequels, they're <laughs> going to do with just like anodyne, boring, like technical competency. They're going to just be like this movie, it, you know, it's a paint by numbers of what a good movie is and we're going to do it nine times and <laughs> we're just going to fucking like keep drilling you in the fucking face with it until you just get tired of the world. And you'll just get sick of, of, of that world of Star Wars and you just don't care about it anymore. Until you're just tired of the real world. Until you're tired of the real world. <laughs> I just want to die. Yo, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't want, I, I'm a little hesitant to bring this up because most of the stuff that we say about race is mostly making fun of racists and racism. <laughs> and one of the last things I want to do is reinforce harmful stereotypes. But 
to see Proswell's, um, or Pros, I guess he goes by Pros now, to see his new website that is going to be like... he goes by Pros now. He's, he's gone by Pros since the Ghetto Superstar song. Okay. <laughs> the Bullworth soundtrack. Bullworth, like, I feel like that just came out. <laughs> Oh my god! I don't think I don't even think I had given a woman an orgasm when Bullworth came out. I hadn't had sex yet. I, yeah, you de- you definitely had had sex. You didn't have sex until like after Eight Mile came out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I might have been like 18 when that movie came out or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> the funniest thing was Blackcher is Praz's new project, right? <clears throat> As opposed to all those old Praz projects that, right. you know, that he's been doing. Um, so <laughs> he dropped, I don't know, however much it was, like five million bucks for a 30 second spot on wow. um, you know, a super like kind of woke looking site. Uh, just previewing a website, which honestly I can't remember anybody doing something like that since like maybe GoDaddy. GoDaddy did that where they just just dropped huge cash on a Super Bowl ad for a site that hadn't even launched yet, and they were just like, "Oh well, we're GoDaddy. This is what we are." And I actually watched we watched that Super Bowl at your house with your parents in like 2002 or something, or maybe <laughs> 2000 even. I don't know, but. You go to blackshirt.com, the fucking site is like 60 days away from from launching. Oh, and he bought a fucking Super Bowl ad for no, a site that's 60 It's going to be a good idea, man. It's going to be a good idea when I finish thinking it through. <laughs> Just you watch. Just you watch and wait. And, I um, somehow managed to make it to 2018 with five million dollars left in my bank account. And this is what I'm gonna. Do. I, bu- I bucked the trend of the entire rap industry, the entire rap game. I'm in my mid to late 40s, and I have just enough cash left that I can afford 30 seconds on the fucking first Sunday of the of the year, uh, first Sunday of February. And um, here's how I'm gonna spend it. I'm gonna make. This highly well, by the way, the commercial itself was like a half million dollar commercial. Like it was very well produced. It wasn't one of these simple, you know, mystery screen thing. Here's the other thing, dude. The Blackshirt commercial doesn't fall into this, but uh, you know what's really annoying me? The fucking, and I wrote down like the real winner of the night being David Harbour and um, fucking, what do you call it? All the spoof commercials that they did, but uh, that they did for Tide. But what's bothering me and I, I don't like, and I think advertisers and marketers are thinking that it's the way to go, is this self-aware commercial making where they're like, oh, isn't it funny? We're doing a commercial. Like, That's everything I think it's now. I think it's insufferable, dude. It's yeah. so annoying. Yeah. When like David Harbour smirks at me and is like, mm, right? Isn't it weird? I'm in a commercial. I'm like, eh, isn't it funny that we're... Bending the way things are normally perceived, and it's fucking with you, isn't it? Isn't it completely fucking with you? And it's like, but no, that it's is still just—it's still just a fucking commercial. And I just know it came out of some shitty room with, like, you know, with with too much glass in it, and it, 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 and you know who started it, right? Stella. 
Yeah, it's true. <laughs> David Wayne began it. David Wayne started it all. Now it's it's gone to the uh, the ultimate degree where it's gone back around and become <laughs> awful. What are what what are some of you? I've, I've just like fucking vomited all my little um, takes of the Super Bowl all over the podcast. What are, what about you? What what shit did you like besides? I guess other, any other movie trailers that you liked? I know that that's all you really paid attention to. Yeah, no, that's that's all I actually watched is the ones we just talked about. They I look really bad, dude. The one where the one where Jim from the Office everybody has to be quiet or yeah. they die. That looks so fucking stupid. Yeah, um, that that one I, I I'll kind of agree with you on. I mean, knowing me, I'll probably end up seeing it, but I don't know. It doesn't really look very good. I did think it was in, uh, there was an interesting absence of like the um, the the cheesecake and the TNA, which is always a big thing for Super Bowl commercials. Like it's always ever present that scantily clad women. Again, going back to the GoDaddy commercials. Oh yeah, they got trouble the, for that. Yeah. That. Let me ask you something. I got completely stumped by my wife last night during the during the during the Super Bowl. When was don't look it up, when was and what was the first like the moment when Super Bowl halftime went from just being a like some nothing to being like, oh, huge stars, blown out, you know, A listers performing. Like when what how long ago do you think that was? I don't know a year, but I was gonna guess Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I I give me give me a guess of a year. Like generally, eighty-seven. Same thing. I thought exactly. I th- I said eighty-five. Uh, same thing. I thought so too. Now there was an Ella Fitzgerald one way back in the early seventies, right? Huh. But other than Ella Fitzgerald, there was not. They there were no commercial artists. It was all up with people, which is like you know, like cheesy. Um, you know, I guess it would be like Boys and Girls Club type stuff. Like if the Boys and Girls Club put on a uh, a show. And um, and marching bands from colleges. Like that's what it was all the way up through 1992. And it right. wasn't Michael Jackson. It wasn't Prince. It wasn't those names that you would immediately think. They, those guys came later. But 1992, who do you think it was? Think 1992, dude. And you can, it's so obvious. And when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, of course. Bon Jovi? No, that's a good guess, though. That is a good guess. Think Bon Jovi, but for little kids at that time. For, like, little <laughs> girls. For young girls. In 1992. Oh, uh, New Kids? Exactly. That was it. <laughs> new Kids on the Block. <laughs> wow. I couldn't believe... First of all, I couldn't believe it was that late. I thought... I thought I remembered in the 80s the halftime show being a big thing, but I must be right. thinking about the 90s. Yeah, it must be because sometimes when you look back on some of the things from the '90s, they do look like it's so weird. It's but like every decade is de- is dated like an extra decade back nowadays, <laughs> just because everything is so <laughs> slick now. Have you, you know? seen? Have you watched any reruns of shows from like the early 2000s? Oh yeah, they the look sh- horrible. And they're square. They're square. Yeah. <laughs> And they're square. <laughs> yeah. So fucking weird. <laughs> and, like, and like some of them, they retrofit. Like if you watch Friends, they've retrofitted uh-huh. it because it's Friends. So it's yeah. like the. Well, you're not thing. allowed to watch Friends anymore. But you talk about that on another episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> how problematic <laughs> Friends is. No, yeah, for sure. I was listen- I was watching a Friends tonight, and they were like, and they were like, "Hey Chandler, stop acting like a homo." And I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, this show had no fucks to give at all. I was like, this is a, this is terrible. 
<laughs> Phoebe, why do you think that about our friend? Oh, because he's black. Oh, you know, like it's terrible. That show was bad, dude. That show was really bad. I forgot how bad it was. Um, that's a funny premise for a skit, by the way. Like you go, you go back and watch it, but instead of like what I was just saying, it's really over the top, like Nazi racist. And you're like, why don't I remember it being this? Way? That would be a really good skit. <laughs> like there's like the Busby Berkeley style, um, you know, uh, Ku Klux Klan scene from um, <laughs> from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> you're like, I don't remember this scene at all. <laughs> is, this, like, is this part of the whole like we were on a break thing or what? <laughs> oh man, we weren't watching Friends. Though. You and I were out partying, man. During those That's years. right. We were fucking we were raging. Cool. We were super cool. We were watching obscure, quickly canceled Comedy Central shows. Oh yeah, the like DVDs of them that we found <laughs> in remaindered <laughs> bins of of media. Oh, we were awesome. All right, so let's hear a little bit more about Cloverfield uh, and what a monstrous disappointment it was with Jewish Dave and our friend Ryan Ryan Doherty. Coming back to the show. Well, real quick, let me tell everybody uh, what the hell this means. Um, so th- this is Jewish Dave, and I've got on the uh, line here, I've got uh, Ryan Doherty, who was a guest of ours a while back, you'll remember, from the uh, Net Neutrality episode. And um, last night after the Super Bowl, Netflix dropped a huge uh, bomb on everybody, uh, both figuratively and literally, um, <laughs> with the uh, the third installment of the Cloverfield series, which... We are both huge fans of. Uh, Q is a fan of, but it's not like a big thing for him. So that's why we're just doing this, just the two of us real quick. Um, but uh, yeah, so this this movie had been rumored for a while. And we, we've been really excited about it for a while. And rumors had come out like just in the last few days that this might happen. And sure enough, it did. Uh, Netflix bought the rights from Paramount. Um, put it up with no advertising, no anything, just boom, it was there right as the uh, Super Bowl ended. The only warning was an ad during the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk really quickly about uh, about this movie. It's called The Cloverfield Paradox and uh, how it affects our excitement for this series and <laughs> also the, uh, the, the loosely secret uh, fourth installment, uh, which is codenamed Overlord, um, which is uh, more of a, a war-based uh, movie, a World War II-based movie that was in development and apparently being turned into a Cloverfield movie as well. So, Ryan, let's, uh, let's see. What do you want to say first about this? Well, there's a lot I want to say about this movie. Um, I, I, I appreciate Netflix's enormous balls for doing something like this, uh, because this was supposed to be a theatrical movie that was going to come out originally this weekend. And I remember I'd been talking to you about this because I follow all the viral marketing and all the, uh, the advertising and all that stuff. Right. And it was weird that the movie was supposed to come out in like three weeks and it still... The viral marketing hadn't been going, and then, you know, sure enough, they 
pushed it back. I think to like honestly, I think they actually pushed it back to four twenty. And right. like true. then like clearly someone was high as shit because then they were like, Yeah, let's just sell it to Netflix. And everyone else was like, oh, cool, that's because Netflix is being a visionary. And it turns out, no, it's because the movie was really fucking bad. Like, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely. a terrible movie. It was so uh, bad, and it's so upsetting. I mean, such a huge fan of the first two movies. Oh, and, and it's, it's like, bad on every level, too, right? Like, it's yeah. not even like it was a good movie before they forced in the Cloverfield bits. Or like, oh, well, the forced in Cloverfield bits were cool, so that justified the rest of it. Like, there may have been a good movie there. Yeah. But... Oh, God. I keep trying to force myself into thinking that there are some, like, interesting pieces, like, uh, you know, like what I've said, you know, throughout the day while talking about it with people is, you know, at least it gives me a little to think about in the whole Cloverfield universe, but... um, even that is not really like like i'm not convinced that it solved a problem that needed to be solved exactly like like a cloverfield a movie that was a direct sequel or prequel to cloverfield one would have been really cool but i think and they they tried to make it multiple times and they just it wasn't sticking and then you know cloverfield Two came out, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and then depending on who you asked, you know there was different levels of like how tied in are they, how tied in are they not. But at one point, um, Dan Trachtenberg, the guy who made Ten Cloverfield Lane, straight up said, "Honestly, just treat the words Cloverfield the same way you would treat the words like Twilight Zone or American Horror Story or something like that. Right. Completely unrelated movies that just have the theme of like." a bit of a unique twist on a common yeah. trope genre, which is interesting also because T- Cloverfield Paradox was in no way a, like a turn-on genre or anything like that. Like it was, it was a very paint by the numbers. Like I was telling you that yeah. this, that um, they released like a three sentence summary and I like the three sentence summary, which has been all the advertisements is like, a group of people are on a space station, they do an experiment, and suddenly they see that the Earth is not there anymore. And it was right. called God, God Particle. And you immediately knew everything that that movie was going to be. Yeah. And at no point, the only thing that surprised me was how bad it was. Like, like, And, and it thought it was very clever with its twists and stuff. And, and I'm told that there was a whole major subplot which is not in the Cloverfield Paradox. And maybe that was where the meat of the story was, and all we got left over was the bits of exposition yeah. and, like, vaguely body horror-type stuff. Right, yeah. Well, a couple um, scenes of it, at most. But Yeah. yeah, yeah I, like, not I, a lot I, happened in the movie. Right, exactly. Well, that that's why I was... As soon as I finished it, and I was just sitting there just, like, looking at the credits, and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, like, where was the movie? Like... there's no no movie here and and at first i thought maybe it was because like oh maybe they spent a lot of time on the b plot and um for those of you who have not seen the movie yet essentially um they oh god whatever that movie was that uh what did bruce lee die in the middle of making and they just kind of kept filming it with like other people right and stuff like that like they did that with this movie where they took a guy who was very clearly like a background character and we're like, yo, do you want a plot? And he was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, but but I, I went back and rewatched all those scenes in order, thinking that maybe there was more to them than I remembered. Because I was like, that's a two-hour movie. I don't remember two hours worth of things happening. Right. Maybe it's because his whole plot line was a bust. 
But no, like, like his, his whole stuff is only actually on camera for like seven minutes, which is exactly what it feels like. So I don't know what they were doing. Well, seven minutes, the, maybe, that's like a, maybe that's like a hidden clue right there. Yeah, yeah it's for Cloverfield <laughs> 7, just all ready to go. But, oh God. And, and it was yeah. weird, too, because like I, I, I told you this while I was watching it. That like the dialogue in the first twenty minutes is really bad. Oh yeah. Like 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 Ten Cloverfield Lane. Regardless of what was good or bad about it, um, like no one's gonna deny that even if the plot was contrived, it like conveyed what was going on well with the right. dialogue. But like the first conversation is like a shittier version of Interstellar, yeah. where she's like, "I want to go into space." but I don't think I should. And he's like, you know why you should. And she goes, yeah, because the whole world is running out of electricity and I'm the only scientist <laughs> who could go onto the spaceship up there that would then make all the electricity for us by using a particle accelerator. But you know why I don't want to go up there. And he's like, yeah, because you're sad that your kids are dead. And that's like... Okay, you know everything you need to know about the world. They could have just and had like every... a text crawl at the beginning. Yo, honestly, it should have been. Like yeah. like normally like movies, I think it's kind of like a cliche thing where in the opening they show like a montage of like news anchors and stuff like that. Right. But this is a movie that really could have used that. Like 45 <laughs> seconds of like a parody of Fox News being like the goddamn Russians took all our oil cuz that's the plot of the movie basically. Like, yeah, well yeah, actually it's funny you say that because the it seems like the only reason for this movie to exist is for the parody of Fox News scene where uh yeah. where the dude is who wrote the book the uh, the Cloverfield paradox uh fucking like, the, the grounded like, for life guy and coming anything in. can happen there 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 could be space monsters brought through a portal because yeah, of that was so <laughs> oddly specific but like yeah, the exact so wording specific. he uses was like there could be anything demons <laughs> aliens beasts from the sea which uh, is perfect because it's like it's like the director googled what are the three things people think the cloverfield monster is and just put all of them in a row and the interesting oh, thing is, right, like, this this might be a retcon. So much of the origin that is canon of the Cloverfield universe is stuff that comes from the writer saying something in an interview. Or, like, there was a, there was a Cloverfield manga or, like, um, like, the ARGs and stuff like that. And, you know, technically they're well within their rights to be like, yeah, that shit was just marketing. Like, this is the new origin story. But it's not even a fucking origin story. Like, it's like, literally anything can happen, so just shut up and watch the movie. Oh my god, yeah. It's, Jesus Christ. It, yeah, it's, it's like a, we watched Heat, and then right at the end of the movie Heat, like, Al Pacino turns around and goes, oh, and just so you know, that kid who saw me rob the bank is going to grow up to become the Joker from Batman one day. And then it just cuts forward to Heath Ledger and the opening to Dark Knight Rises. Or to Dark Knight. Like, it's just for no reason whatsoever. Oh, but it would be a whole subplot where, like, it cuts to Al Pacino driving in a car randomly throughout the middle of the movie and then, like, rescuing this little kid. It's just, it's so yeah. unnecessary. A little it kid who may be a boy or a girl until... Oh, God, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole subplot is literally pick up a kid, drive them down the street. Which is kind of weird, right? Call their parents. Like, oh, it was super weird. No, no, and, and, and her, her parents are in, like, Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, like they, they established like, that. Which, well, so I guess this movie, I thought I saw that it took place. And this is something that, like, really 10 seconds of Googling could negate this entire conversation. Right. But, so, so Tank Cloverfield Lane takes place in Louisiana. 
and theoretically takes place in a different universe from Cloverfield 1. Cloverfield 1 takes place in New York City. I thought I read that, Clover, that Cloverfield Paradox takes place in L.A., but based on the fact that her parents are in Philly and he says get to the Delaware coast because that's where the thing is mm. landing, uh, which implies that the big monster is also at the Delaware coast because he sees the big monster an hour and a half earlier. Mm. Um, but that's kind of weird too because then that implies that the entire time, if this was the same attack from Cloverfield 1, which I don't think it is, that implies that while the baby monster was fucking up New York City, like... 10 miles down the Hudson River, there was another one that was like 10 times as tall fucking up Newark. Which you'd and like you see like, from anywhere, pretty much. Oh, yeah, above for the sure. Clouds. Yeah, yeah, like you should, like, th- there should have been this a scene when they're like, oh, God, there's the Empire State Building, and there's fucking Godzilla yeah. being 90 stories tall. Why are we even worried about this Godzilla that's 20 stories tall? So I, I want to ask you one one other question about this sure, movie, sure. and then we'll, then we'll talk briefly about the next one, and then also just what you think of the whole uh, strategy. Sure, but um, sure. you've read a little more about it than I have yeah. at this point. I, yeah. um, I, I I heard that it started off as a five million dollar production, and then was bumped up to a forty million dollar production. What, <sighs> what kind? What was this movie at five million dollars? Like, I, honestly, I've been trying to figure that. That that's something I haven't dug into a lot. Like it, it must but, have been like a, like a play, like like a like a single room spaceship uh, set and nothing happening. I, I which which like, is like its own genre of movie, and I wouldn't be surprised. So like I was telling you that like I I always think all the core style movies are very mediocre, where it's right. like we've got to get the ship to the place. And we've got one, like, one pilot, well, two pilots, because the first pilot always dies right away, and, like, one mechanic, and then, like, the dude who built the ship who locks himself away for no reason because there's a switch that you have to... I hate those movies. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're so aggressively mediocre. Right. And I gotta assume that the first one, the original was a lot more of, like, a character drama or something. And this movie is weird because 10 Cloverfield Lane didn't get changed as much as people think it did. Uh, mm. So I read the original, original script, and that was back where it was a dirty bomb attack um, on Chicago. And in the end of that, she actually escapes, and the whole movie is posed as if it's fake. And you think, like, oh, cool, it was all fake, she's getting away, no problem. And then the last scene is she sees, like, destroyed Chicago as she drives over a hill. Okay. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> then it got changed to the aliens, and then it got changed to Cloverfield. So that's, that's really the not thing that, that pe- different. Yeah. No, no, no. Very similar. Uh, the, the one of the only differences in it is um, John Goodman's character has um has a chase sequence because there's no aliens at the time, so there needs to be something else to fight. Mm. So um so it's like John Goodman's character is like drunk chasing her through the house while she's like, um you know fending him off. Gotcha. And and that one actually had a really good subplot too, implying that he like killed his daughter as a drunk driver, which like kind of explains a lot more of the whole creepy possessiveness over his daughter thing, okay. and does definitively answer the question of his daughter is real, which I know some people were like, oh maybe he never had a daughter to begin with, but the thing is, it uh, from what I'm told, it was turned to aliens and then it was turned to Cloverfield. Like everyone always thinks J.J. Abrams came in and was like. Let's put some aliens in in the end there. So then everyone assumes, oh, those aliens are the same monster that's attacking in the first one. Mm. Um, 
but no, apparently the aliens were there, and then they just went in and, like, they put in, like, two references to, to Grudo Core, who was in every Cloverfield movie. Right, They yeah. did a slush show reference. I and didn't then, even realize that until today I was reading some articles. And- yeah, his character works for Togruto. That's, like, kind of been the theme, is that every one of the movies has a character who works for Togruto. Because the main character in the first one was moving for a job, working for Togruto. Um, and John Goodman's character had just been fired from Togruto right before the start of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Um, so that's really probably the theme behind this is just like right. anti-consumerism, big yeah, companies suck. It does seem to be that way, yeah, which is uh, it's pretty great. Kind of ties this, into our podcast here. Yeah, right? for <laughs> sure. But this definitely feels like that they took, like, like Cloverfield Lane, even if it wasn't what wasn't that it felt like they had a good movie and tacked on an ending Mm -hmm. and then it was revealed no they didn't actually tack on that ending that's just the direction it was going one way or another and jj kind of rolled with it but that makes me like it even more and i already love ten clover right yeah (laughs) because the aliens did kind of honestly what i've heard it can um compared to is that movie ai where everyone Mm -hmm. thinks the whole ending was steven spielberg trying to put on a sappy ending right and he's like no that was in the original like i took over and that seems very me ish But nah, that was all Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Um, But this movie, like, very clearly is, like, awkwardly chopped to bits to be, you know, a movie that's answering a question that doesn't need to be answered, which is why is the Cloverfield monster grumpy? (laughs) And maybe where did the aliens come from? But we still don't know. Yeah. I I, I don't (sighs) know. So that yeah, I mean that brings us to to Cloverfield Four, sure. uh, Overlord, which um, some are saying could be out as early as October, is what I was reading. Um, so my understanding is filming is complete. Yeah, for it. Um, and no one really knows how much in the way of special. Now they're just trying to figure be. out how to ruin it in time for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so, like, everything they've been describing it by, it sounds very much like Hellboy or, like, the Nazi zombies type of movies. Right. Of, like, a group of soldiers miss D-Day because they get parachuted into the wrong area and they discover, like, Nazi occult stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so my current theory, which is not completely, completely made up, is that there was what was implied to be an important plot point in the advertising for Cloverfield One was this, like, weird sushi algae snack. And there was, like, a whole subplot where it was, like, being dug up by Togruto Corps, and then eco-terrorists bombed the place. And the head of the eco-terrorists was kidnapped and being experimented on, including eating this seaweed, which was mutating him. And he mails everything he can, like, when he escapes, to his girlfriend. And then his girlfriend eats a bunch of the seaweed because she doesn't understand what's going on and you can see her passed out in the background of Cloverfield 1 for like a tenth of a second. There was so much goddamn investment in this character and it was like, oh my god, I bet she's gonna mutate or something or like, you know, because they were showing the people's stomachs exploding in the commercials for Cloverfield. It was like, I bet that's how your stomach explodes as you eat the seaweed. And like, no, it was just completely unrelated because like a social media intern needed something to do for his marketing. And for, for, um, those, for those listening who aren't, like, Cloverfield fans, I mean, this is all part of why some of us are just, you know, so obsessed with this series and why we wanted this new one to be so good is there, there's just so much to them. You can, 
you know, there's a whole reading about theme. them is as fun as watching them. And yeah, there's, there's a whole world that's yeah. tangentially related to the movies. The movies are almost like commercials for that world. But so my theory is that this one is going to be that the Nazis, this is like the origin of that seaweed type thing. Okay. That this is what they're using to like make the Ubermensch. Um, and that's completely not going to be right at all. But but right now, if I had to tie it in, because technically they have foreshadow, like they did deliberately foreshadow the space station in Ten Cloverfield Lane um, to set up God Particle, yeah. um, which was great because at that point I think it still wasn't known how they were going to change it. They just knew that was the next script they were going to buy. Because if anyone is not aware of the way this works, um, Paramount had their mid-tier horror movie division, basically, and it shut down. So J.J. basically said, I'm going to start buying up the scripts that I think had the most potential. So essentially, he literally is just buying mid-tier average movies and putting his name on it and tacking a couple things on there purely right. as a marketing scheme, right? Like it's, it, they're very, very open about the fact that this whole thing has been working backwards to essentially sell movies that wouldn't get the recognition right. that they in theory deserve, which was which really, really cool. true with 10 Cloverfield Lane, right? Like that movie, yeah. John Goodman, he's a big actor, but like you could make an indie movie with John Goodman that no one would know about. Right. Um, and this very easily could have been something that no one cared about, but it, because it was 10 Cloverfield Lane, we were willing to be like, oh, you know, it's okay that it doesn't really have anything to do with Cloverfield because it's a really good movie I wouldn't have discovered otherwise, right? It's, it's like when sure. the, like, the like, um, musician that you hate the most like retweets someone who you really like, and you're like, oh, cool, like, I guess this is worth <laughs> it. But to do that, the movies have to be good, JJ. Like, yeah. <laughs> like don't pull this shit again. That that is the lesson here. That I don't. Th- so I, I actually have never been excited for God Particle. Like once I read the description, I already kind of wrote it off, oh, and I yeah. only got excited for it once Netflix did this. Like yesterday, I, I'm too loyal to brands and stuff. Like so, when you know when I heard it's going to be Cloverfield, I instantly excited. Even it doesn't matter. They could say it's you know the, just the dumbish like shit so yeah. as you can imagine i'd still be excited um but yeah i mean and that's why i'm still super excited for this fourth one. Oh, for sure because in <laughs> theory it's like a mark of approval and yeah. a nice easter egg yeah um but yeah i mean do you, do you think this is something that uh that is going to work out for them i mean well, so so you know there's always the cliche that you don't screen your movie like horror movies will like not get screened for critics until mm-hmm. the day beforehand and stuff and, um, but what's interesting is I don't necessarily think Netflix did this because they didn't have faith in the movie because they, they tried to do that for the Punisher. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the, I haven't seen it yet, but I guess the Punisher show came out like three months ago or something. And their goal was they were just going to release it completely by surprise. And then there was like a shooting, which doesn't really narrow down the time window in America at all. But there was some sort of shooting. They're like, all right, yeah, I guess we probably shouldn't, like, someone's coming home from Columbine 2 and they turn on Netflix and then it just cuts to the dude from Walking Dead shooting a bunch of people in the street. So they ended up, like, changing it. (laughs) So I sort of think that this was just their way of being like, well, the Cloverfield movies already have weird advertising. We've been wanting to test the waters for stealth releases. Worked for Beyonce. Maybe it'll work for J.J. Abrams. So I would I, I would I hope for sure that we keep seeing Cloverfield 
twist the expectations of advertisement and marketing. Like, and that's one perk of the fact that these movies are not being made knowing their Cloverfields ahead of time. Because, like, if J.J. sat down and was like, I'm going to film this entire movie in secret, let me get these celebrities, mm-hmm. that would be much more difficult than, like, oh, there's, like, a shitty indie movie that's already halfway done. You know, already nobody cares about it. Can right, we just yeah. can we just CGI in a mailbox with the word? Can we just get the guy from Grounded for Life to rant about beasts from the ocean for thirty seconds? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know if you noticed this. That is the same woman from Ten Cloverfield Lane whose face melts halfway through. The woman who's interviewing him—that's the same actress. Huh? No, I did not notice. Yeah, that. you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the woman yeah. who like and her face. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's the same woman who's interviewing him. Interesting. Which. I don't know what to think of that because Ten Cloverfield Lane is pretty clearly set. You're you're in... you're, you're dead set on making me watch this stupid movie again, aren't you? Oh my god, I it's <laughs> I gotta rewatch all of that. Right, so so the problem, right, is like is so much of the movie would work if they didn't explicitly date themselves. Like Cloverfield One, it's on like a camcorder, so every time they change it, it tells you what the date is. Right. So you're screwed on that. And then Ten Cloverfield Lane, I don't think ever explicitly says a date. But she does have the newest iPhone, and if they were deliberately trying to tie it into being at the same time, I don't think they would have made an oversight like that. Right. And then if you go into the ARG, the ARG does date it as happening in 2015. Because you can see the guy's letter of termination, which is confirmed to be like a week before the movie. So I don't think that explicitly says when it is, but it's at least like, you know, 2015, if you go by in-movie stuff. And then... Fucking Cloverfield Paradox. Like, right, like the, it's like when you watch Inception and shit doesn't make it sense in Inception or there's right. plot holes and you can just go, oh, it's a dream. You can just be like, oh, it's the Cloverfield Paradox. That's like, like I want to make at. a shitty horror movie now and if it doesn't make sense, someone's be like, Ryan, why does your bad guy teleport? I'll be like, it's the Paradox. Like, because <laughs> it's just, it's, oh, God. Well, hey, I, you know what? Before before we head right back down into the rabbit hole, oh, let me, absolutely. Let me, let me just thank you for being on, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on again sometime. All, all fives of fun. your listeners will yeah. love to hear me bitch about this movie. Yeah, especially the ones that are big uh, movie people, which uh, I don't <laughs> It. it was uh, it was it was fun, you know. It was it was a fun, quick thing we decided to put together real quick. That's that's good. It was quick, right? Yeah. And was it fun? It was it was pretty fun. Was it know. quick? Um. Good answer. <laughs> the only other thing I was gonna say about the Super Bowl was like, and I forgot to say it before we went to break, um, is that that Martin Luther King commercial for I think it was Toyota, I'm not sure, or Jeep. <laughs> That's made, right. I did hear about. That. Made me like want to throw up in my mouth. It was so bad. <laughs> and yeah, then somebody I didn't see it, but I heard about it. Somebody, um, Super Deluxe, who's awesome, great Twitter follow. If you want to follow somebody on Twitter, Super Deluxe, Super Deluxe did a great cut where they took out the bullshit, like uh, you know, antiseptic, um, 
nothingness of the edited version of, of what they used his voice for and what they uh, appropriated his voice for. And they actually laid over the audio of his real, his real speech about the dangers of commercialism and stuff. <laughs> what he actually had to say about it. <laughs> and it was really good. <laughs> it's really funny. That's um, great. <laughs> uh, so that shit was disgusting. Uh, how much money did you lose today on the uh, stock market? I don't know. I don't check that kind of shit. You don't check that kind of shit? Well, you need to start mm-hmm. checking that kind of shit. Because people ain't going to be buying records forever, you simple <laughs> fuck. You need to start <laughs> diversifying your bonds. Diversify your bonds. The Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average was down 1,175 points today, 4.6%. <sighs> Most of it. Do you know why? Do you know why that happened, Dave? Do you understand? Are you one of the people who gets the stock market and understands it? Absolutely not. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a thing that happens when there's... Um, look, uh, the, 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 the stock market is an indicator, but it's not really an indicator. I said this on the, on the last episode we did. It's not an indicator of, of anything that really has a lot to do with your day-to-day life, except in so far that it can be dangerous to you, right? You're not, most likely, since um, 10% of Americans own 81% of the stocks, most likely your day-to-day life is not dependent on the performance of the stock market. It's not an indicator of the actual economy. It's not um, governing your pay. It's not governing, you know, how, how well you're doing. It's not affecting your marginal tax rate, except for when it is, because... When your boss's boss's boss has to answer to his shareholders at the end of a quarter and actually come up with a plan for why their, their, their stock price is tanking if you happen to work at a publicly traded company, sometimes even if you don't, if you're just uh, you know, at the mercy or at the whims of the, of, of the market, um, you know, and they, they, they get on their investor call and they say, okay, we're going to respond to this recent you know, turmoil in the market by contracting our labor force 10%. We're going to cut cut 10%. Well, if you're one of the people in that 10%, then yeah, you do get fucked by the stock market. If the stock market, even though you're not in, probably not invested in it, only about half of the people in the country are and overwhelmingly most of those um are just people who just have some 401k investments and things like that that are, you know, moderately, you know, conservative type uh, uh types of accounts or aren't day traders are playing the market or heavily leveraged in the market. You know, it's, it's mostly just the very wealthy, but the thing is like you can still get fucked up because of the stock market. So the stock market tanked today after it had started to decline the other day, most of it was because of change because Janet Yellen, um, wasn't really fired, just wasn't really renewed, wasn't brought back to, uh, as, as a head of the federal federal reserve. And here's the way it works, Dave. If I'm an investor, I have been getting, remember I talked last week about this free, cheap, and easy money credit everywhere, anywhere you look, ever since around 2011-ish. You just want money, you got it. The, the problem, every problem that we had in the, in the economy was just solved by spraying money all over it. And the, the, primary, the primary function of that happening is low interest rates, which the Fed governs, which the, the Fed controls. With Yellen on her way out, and with a lot of indicators sort of pointing north and, and, and suggesting that it could be the time to raise the, the, the raise the, the interest rates, people are worried. 
people think, investors specifically think, that they're, you know, that, that, that the party's coming to an end. And so when the party comes to an end, you don't want to be the last one to leave because then you're stuck, like, you know, cleaning up and shit. So right. everybody's rushing to the door to get the fuck out before the party dies down. And that's what happened today. That's what happened the other day. I would love to be like, oh, Donald Trump's a fucking moron, and I told you this whole time that the economy was going to come crashing down, and, you know, it, but it's just, honestly, it's just not the case. And I see a lot of people out there trying to make that case. Um, I think the most valid criticism of the president would be able to, would be to say, when you peg yourself to the stock market as your main indicator of how your economy is doing, First of all, right. you're fucking stupid because that's yeah. not the case. That's not what it is. And second of all, get ready, asshole, because the stock market goes two ways, never just one. And uh, that's that's kind of what's happening now. But what's not a valid criticism is to say that all of the horrible practices and and and, uh, and terrible financial plans that Mnuchin and everybody in this administration has that they're implementing through this horrible tax tax plan that they're doing and also through. Um, irresponsible deregulation and and uh, stripping bare the social safety net. All those things are terrible on their own. They don't really, maybe tangentially, but they don't really have anything to do with, with, with that correction that the stock market went through. Right. These, these ups and downs are going to happen regardless of those kind of things. Right. And especially decisions. during times like this, you know, where there's uh, this fluctuation and where there's where there's a quick rise people are again going to run for the door and uh and 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 try to be the first ones out so that they you know get home early or whatever and netflix and chill i don't know that's a terrible joke um <laughs> any netflix and chill joke is fucking stupid like don't don't say them what am i thinking? what about netflix and kill <laughs> oh now we're talking uh, <laughs> netflix and kill that pussy um yeah i mean I don't know. That's that's. I mean, I'm not really heavily invested in the stock market. Stock market. I got maybe like, like like 1.2, 1.3 million in there at any given time. You know, sometimes I need to be a little more liquid, and I, uh, I'll, I'll drop it down to like 1.1. But, um, right. you know, because again, I'm independently wealthy from this podcast. And <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. That's yeah. Most of that's from the last three months, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just from the last three months of. <laughs> <laughs> what uh i don't know dave what else you got going on man this is this is our first structured episode again are you happy that we did i'm this? very happy I, i've been i've been talking about this for a little while and i i even joked the other day that uh we, we should do a super bowl episode i was totally joking though <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh yeah no I, i'm really happy to what do the, the whole structure to the game dave like i mean like why were the philadelphia eagles able to overcome you know, over 500 yards passing from Tom Brady. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer your question. Instead, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to say that I understand the Super Bowl about as much as I understood the uh, State of the Union. <laughs> so, no, and, uh, I mean, like, you, 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 you are more politically savvy than that. I am. I you, am like, but... you know nothing about sports. I mean, I, I, I can play Madden. I, I, I can beat the computer on, on easy. What is so, the, you gotta you gotta know what you're doing a little bit. What is the shape of a football? <laughs> Pyramid. Pyramid. <Close> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> so uh 
I think that brings us pretty pretty smoothly into our love hates. Oh shit, that's sure. how you know it's a traditional bird road uh, episode. We're doing love hates. Before right. we do love hates, really quick, let's set us up next week. It's um, we're gonna do we're gonna also do another of our recurring bits, which is uh, the do I have to. Dave, mm-hmm. I'm going to unveil mine, and during the time that it takes me to unveil mine, you're going to think up yours and then unveil it to me, because okay. I'm sure you haven't yet. Um, over the week, I got to see uh, an incredible movie that I thought was provocative, um, funny, weird, off-kilter, called The Square. And I've heard really great things about it. That That's kind of a... Uh... <laughs> a little bit of a problem with this segment is that a lot of times it seems like we're going to uh, end up movies. making each other do things that we do kind of want to do. We just haven't gotten around to. <laughs> and, uh, well, the next the next one I have for next month is anal piercings. So okay, all right. Well, um, so it's a uh, it's a Swedish movie uh, and it takes place in a in a museum. It's um, by acclaimed director uh, Ruben Osland. Um, it stars in this movie i forget it came out last year it stars uh, i don't know how to pronounce this guy's first name klaus klaus bang i guess it has uh, elizabeth moss and dominic west and <laughs> have you seen the trailer for it yet or no um i don't think so i might i might have saw it once so terry one of the one of the people in it that i think you're really gonna like is this guy named terry notary do you know who that is no so he's an actor, a stunt coordinator, and a movement coach. And he is this guy who can, again, kind of like that guy that you were telling me about who is famous for the Planet of the Apes. This guy is an incredible ape performer. And there's an extended, very just, just a, I, don't want, I don't want to ruin any of it for you, but just this extended scene where he portrays an ape. Um and uh, he fucking kills it. The whole movie I will, is just... I will just watch it this week for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so that's your do I have to, and yes, you have to. What is okay. mine? I'm ready, dude. All right. Um, yeah, I, I've had quite a bit of trouble. I'm going to have to like really start thinking about these. But So I'm just going to give you uh, the assignment of listening to my favorite album of 2017, which I have a feeling you probably have not listened to before. It is the Nashville sound by Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Um, is, that like is, G, another... is that like G unit? Did G unit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is another one of these alt country guys like Ryan. Did you ever Adams. see the old Saturday Night Live um, commercial? You remember when the thing was Jess- Jessica Simpson was the big thing and she had the husband who was from 98 Degrees, uh, Nick Lachey. And that, they were like the they were like the big things, and the two of them were standing in the middle of a Saturday Night Live. They were like on, on set at Saturday Night Live, and it was a promo spot. And they had the like the three or four dudes from G Unit kind of standing around them, kind of very menacingly. And yeah. all four of the guys from G Unit were were looking at uh, at Jessica Simpson like she was a fucking hamburger, and, <laughs> and Nick Lachey like looked really nervous, and uh, and she was like coming up this week on Saturday Night Live. Me, Jessica Simpson, my husband, Nick Lachey, and gun it. And he goes, and he goes, baby, baby, I think it's called G Unit. They're called G Unit. And and Fifty Cent's like, no, she could say gun it if she wants. <laughs> and they're just like staring at her like she's a like she's a fucking lollipop. It's terrible. It was super funny, dude. It was just like 
<laughs> That's of pretty the great. Weirdest commercials <laughs> I've ever seen. Anyway, all right. So, uh, G Unit. You want me to listen to the new G Unit track? Yes, yeah, so you're gonna listen to the new G Unit uh, album where they've replaced Fifty Cent with Jason Isbell. Okay, Jason Isabel or Isbell? Isbell. I S B E L L. All right, writing so, it down now. Yeah, this is a fantastic <clears throat> album. You know, listen. You know, listen to it musically. It, it's it's phenomenal. Listen to the lyrics. It, it's just an incredible album all around. What did uh, What did Neil Portnoy think of Portnow think of um of this? Did they did Neil did Portnow actually uh, awarded this uh, a couple of awards? Surprisingly, um, best Americana album and best Americana single. What so, a mensch! What a what yeah, a real mensch! He's, he's a he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Sometimes. Have you ever called anybody a mensch? No. Probably you a couple times at my wedding, <laughs> yeah, or my thing as you called it. <laughs> yeah, I wore the tuxedo for that thing that you did with that, <laughs> with that broad. Um, so what did you hate this week? What I'm gonna let I you hate? say it. Yeah, it, I mean, I wanted I I wanted to have a, a separate thing, but I just can't. I hated the Cloverfield paradox. It's just it's too much of a uh, a knife in my back for me to not just. Bring it up one more time here. What a fucking disappointment. I got an hour into it. I was intrigued at the idea. I thought it was really funny and interesting that it was, um, that they, that they did that, that the marketing and the unveiling and the way that it went, I was like, oh, well, cool. So they, they, they got me, they hooked me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, for whatever it's worth, I watched like an hour of it and then I put on Bob's burgers because (laughs) what the fuck else, dude? Um, so yeah, I hated that. Uh, I hated the Cloverfield Paradox, too. I only got an hour into it. Uh, My love, though, was everything. I have two loves, actually, this week. I have two loves, too. That's funny. Uh, All right, we're doing two loves this week. So everything. First of all, huge missed opportunity not having this this Super Bowl on Fox and having it on NBC because, number one, that all of the NBC shows that they promote look terrible. NBC, I don't know what is going on at that network. Everything looks just atrocious. But if it had been on Fox, the bonus would have been that they would have been able to integrate the cast from It's Always Sunny into the into the Super Bowl bits. Because <laughs> that's what they would have done. Because the only reason you didn't see any of It's Always Sunny people, I presume, is because it, it's not a Fox. It's, you know, it's a competitor. FX is a Fox property. And um, that must be the reason why. Because... All of the Always Sunny memes that I saw coming out of the wind were incredible, but one stands out above the rest. And it's the picture of Justin Timberlake playing the piano, and they took out Prince, the 3D thing of Prince, and they put Charlie as Dayman. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. It was one of the best things. I'm making That's awesome. It, I'm making it my personal like cover photo on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so I loved that shit. Um, another thing I love that, I, that I've loved for the last, like, week or so is a new Twitter feed called at uh, Panel Pulp, which is old school. I'm not sure where this person is getting these um, images, but uh, I, I think maybe from the Library of Congress. I'm not sure. Maybe they're an avid comic book collector and a really good photographer. Or I don't know. Maybe there's some other source. I don't know where it's coming, where the source is. But it's old school, 50s, 60s, 70s, even like back into the 40s, I think. Some some images just completely out of context, one or two panels of old comic books. And they're just hilarious. And in, with with modern sensibilities and our own mm-hmm. sort of like 
our own senses of irony that have infected everything in the way that we look at stuff. Uh, you know, it's a great follow at Panel Pulp. I would uh, strongly recommend. It sounds you, fun. If you love weird Twitter the way I do, and you love ironic yeah. Twitter the way I do, and you don't have a soul left anymore, like I like I don't <laughs> like I do, <laughs> then uh, then then follow at Panel Pulp. How about you? All right. Well, my my first love is something that everybody's going to get to see soon. Is my new music video Artificial um, was just finished. It was. Um, it was filmed by uh, Ben Yonkers, the director, um, and his company, Out of Time Films. And uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic. It, it's probably the best video that I've ever had for any of my songs. And um, I actually just found out right before uh, we started this podcast that it already got into a film festival. Uh, and we're we're going to do a big push and try to get into a lot of them. Um, it's actually a, a story that I wrote um, to go along with the song myself, and, and he um, he kind of took a second pass at the script and and uh, edited it a little bit for the purpose of making it filmable at the budget we we're working with. But um, I mean, it looks fantastic. It, it's a great story. It's it's actually funny. It's sad. It's it's a fucking great video. <laughs> I'm so excited for people to see it. Um, so yeah, that, that's the first thing, uh, that I love this week. Uh, I just got that a couple days ago, so it's real fresh and I'm so excited about it. Um, the other thing is a movie that is, I, I'm going to say right up front is not a great movie, but I, I still would give it some love here. And I, I want to, you know, give it a shout out is, uh, a futile and stupid gesture, which is David Wayne's new movie. Um, it's a Netflix original. Um, and it is about, uh, Doug Kenny who founded National Lampoon and it's done kind of like a sketch rather than a straight biopic, but, um, it, so it, it like, you know, it's funny and ridiculous. Well, it's done by, it's done by David Wayne, Mitchell's so story. it's done by yeah, David exactly. Wayne, so there, it's a send up of what a biopic would be. It's it takes exactly very overt shots at the, you know, a lot of yeah. the, 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 the core premises of. How exactly. Biopic. Did you did you watch it yet? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. I still, have like, like I still have like 30 40 minutes left. I, I'm not sure. I'm not done yet. I'm at the point where he hooks up with um Sam Ismail's wife, uh what's her mm -hmm. name from Shameless, the actress, I don't know. I really yeah, like her. Where where he, he he meets her, I think she ends up being his wife, right? I, I don't know. But right. He, yeah, I'm at that part. So, he's still young. He just got over his drug problem and he's yeah. like Yeah. So, uh uh, no, it's, yeah, a, it's a fun movie. It's a great fun. St he, the older version of him is Martin Mull, which yeah. is awesome. And yeah. Martin Mull, I haven't seen in anything in like years. I don't know when the last time I saw Martin Mull. Anything. I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's delightful. So, again, don't uh, forget subscribe, iTunes Store, Google Play, SoundCloud. Um, you got any anything that you want to promote? Uh, nothing yet. I'll be like post your shameless self promotion during the um, the the love hate section, which is probably a violation of our ethics. Because like, <laughs> I don't think I, that that's where you're supposed to be doing self promotion. Frankly, hey, that that was a that was a love for Ben Yonker for creating such an amazing video. That wasn't a love for myself. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I got nothing. That video is coming soon. I'll be promoting the hell out of it once it's out. I was um. I was quoted last week in a PR news article by Samantha Wood talking about 
Facebook and like why people are spending less time on Facebook. So you can check out that article. It's on PR, I guess it would be PRnews.com. And uh, again, promoting my involvement. Oh yeah, I read that. That was good. In the social shakeup show, um, May 7th through 9, Atlanta, come see me. I'll even hang out with you if you want to. I don't know. You can follow us on Twitter, on Ikigrams. You can get them Ikigrams, at Bird Road Podcast on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Bird Road Podcast. Do it all. Every last one of them. Do all of them. Do it. Let's do, do it. it. I don't like that. I'm so tired of people doing like... <laughs> I wrote to somebody. I like how he's just like, he was like, I don't like that. I was like, uh, somebody said something about like a post. There was a post about like women. Uh, again, another one of these. I think it might have been that same woman that does the, uh, that did those, the stupid um, things about the fucking bird. The stupid social media posts about the bird being a rapist. And she said something like, women don't ever have... It, I don't think it was her. Maybe she retweeted it. Women don't have the social um, equity or the carte blanche to be able to uh, eat potato chips like guys do. Where they reach into the bag and like pour the last little bit of potato chip into their mouth. And, and I replied, I said something like, I know one woman who always does that. And then in parentheses, I wrote Austin Powers' voice and then went, my wife. 